Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. An exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello. Hello, welcome. Does anybody else go podcast, podcast, podcast? I love <laughs> that part. Just, I just echo it myself. <laughs> yeah. In my head, I'm like, yeah, dancing alone in our podcast. room to our intro. Woo! I do the, do the echo myself. <laughs> so what episode are we on today? Episode number eight. <laughs> Very nice. nice. And so nice. what's happened so far? Okay, so basically, Arjuna was like, no, I don't want to do this. And then Krishna was like... Boy, you best get your stuff together. Boy. Because Boy. listen, there's no reason to lament. Okay. There's no reason. And there's no reason because we are all the soul, not the body. Because the body is temporary, but the soul is eternal. So all these people that you're so worried about, they're going to be fine. Yep, the they're body dies. The people that you're trying to kill, they're going to die. But they're not actually going to die because their soul exactly. lives forever. Exactly. So then... And then he goes like, you know, like, I know this is really distressing. And like, I know this is really, really terrible. And I, I just want to say, I apologize for how I'm summarizing this, but I think you'll enjoy it. So anyways, <laughs> um, so I know this is really distressful, but listen, the reality of the situation is that we have to figure out how to be equipoise. And what that means is be able to tolerate distress and happiness, right? So understand what the reality of life, it's just an emotional roller coaster. There's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days. And then you really never know when something that feels bad is going to be great or something that feels really great is going to be bad. And so you should really process and take the time to really, you know, analyze yep. and breathe and you stop, know. self, be self aware exactly. and reflect before you make any decisions. Right. Yeah, Put so a that, little gap between the stimulus and the response to become the observer. Right. Not become so reactive. Right. So I right. feel like that's a, like one of the first like practical things that we can practice, right? We're reading the Gita and that's one of the first things like, okay, listen, when something great happens, be happy, be appreciated, but don't go crazy overboard. When something really difficult happens, just process the emotions. Don't react quickly. Just let them sip, like seep in and really process the emotions, right? Yes. So that's like the first thing. And so now, anything else you guys want to add oh, to and that? The, and you yeah, talked about the, the formula, oh, yeah. right? The formula. formula. That was so right, good. That's a big right. one. Because we're being thrashed around by the waves of life, right? The ups, the downs, we're being so carried away. And he beautifully highlights a formula that if you follow this, you won't be thrashed around. Doesn't mean the waves are going to stop. They're going to still go, but you can maintain this equipoise nature. So basically- Can you break it down? Break it down for us. Right, right. So basically the formula is- you got to combine knowledge and devotion, meaning the intellect and the emotion, the devotion. It can't be one or the other. So those two components, while almost like keeping your head down and just doing your duty. So I'd given an example where I'm currently super inspired by someone who I'd love to be my spiritual master. And with all those feelings, I was so tempted to just... Ah, I want to drop everything and chase him to the ends of the earth following this feeling. But then if you are missing one aspect of the equation, it won't work. I have a whole duty waiting for me back home. Like Arjuna's duty as a satria is to fight. I have, I'm a teacher, master's program, all these different things. So I can't abandon everything and not do my duty just chasing this feeling, even if it is a spiritual feeling. So all components of the equation have to be there. Amazing. So, so is, it, is it knowledge plus devotion plus duty? Yes. Right, right. Yeah, like duty slash action, right? Like behaving right. or like acting upon that knowledge and that emotion. Okay, yeah. 
So I almost picture like in the path of life, right? It's like a dark road and we don't exactly see where the path is going. So keep your head down with humility and surrender and just try to keep doing your duty, whether that's a parent or a student or whatever, while we're acquiring knowledge. So we're all here studying. And then while having sincere devotion. But on your, on that road, you open your eyes because otherwise you'll crash. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. You know, yes. Just, just putting Don't drive with your eyes closed, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please. All right, before we move on to the next text, we'll start with the invocation. Let's do it. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Shalakaya Shakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. Chapter two, text number 16. Boop, boop, boop. All right, Priyadarshan, you want to take it away? I gotcha. Those who are seers of, is that the right word? Yes, yeah, seers. Yeah, seers. I was just checking that there's no, you know, spelling. Priya and I both have the version that sometimes has typos. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's more in our heads now than actually yeah. on the book, so we should just read it. Okay, sorry, let me try that again. Text 16. Those who are seers of the truth have concluded that of the non-existent, the material body, there is no endurance, and of the eternal, the soul, there is no change. This they have concluded by studying the nature of both. So this is kind of recapping what we've talked about in, in the previous episode. In the purport, it says the spirit soul exists permanently, remaining the same despite all the changes of the body and the mind. That is the difference between matter and spirit. So our body changes, right? Our body mm -hmm. dies. At the end of our life, our body dies, but our soul is eternal. So he, like Krishna is doubling down right now. He's like, yes, right. do you get it now? Like he's going <laughs> to continuously hone on on this point. And as we mentioned last episode, even within our lifetime, our body is changing. Our cells that comprise our material body are not the same that they were even a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. I want to, when I read this text the first time, I didn't get it. Like, I mean, I got it, but it was like so many words that it was a little bit hard to understand. So if you guys don't mind, I want to read yeah. it again and kind of just break it down. Yep. So those who are seers of truth. So those people that are looking for the knowledge of life, right? Like understanding self-realization, understanding themselves, understanding what, what the point of being here and all of that have concluded that the body and they call it the non-existent, right? Of the non-existent, yeah, the material body. So exactly. they, they place the physical body in that category. It doesn't essentially exist because it's permanent. Because it's temporary. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. It's temporary, yeah. it's temporary. It took me a second to process that. It, the reality, they're calling it non-existent because if, if it just kind of exists for a temporary amount of right. time, is it really long-term existing? And that's it's, a really like interesting concept to think about, yeah? It's like a dream within a dream, you know? Like, uh, oh, the childhood song we like, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Life is but a dream. Oh, I was da, like, where's she going with this? But I like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just that, yeah, it doesn't really essentially exist in a bigger realm of yeah. eternity. Yes. Right, right, right. So then they're saying the non-existent body, right? Because it doesn't ex exist. What did you just say? It was really fantastic. It doesn't exist in the? In the greater realm of eternity. Bam. Fantastic. And then the it's soul. It's going to die. Yep. I know. And then the soul is eternal and there is no change. So again, it's talking about like the, the, the fact that we're f forever existing as We've a soul. We've always been here. We've always yep. been here. We'll never cease to be here. But the body is, has no endurance. Right. We and will perish at some point. Yep. And those two categories, existent, non-existent, in the purport, they just say it refers only to what spirit and matter as existent, non-existent. Mm. 
Interesting. It's like my, it's like it's like when you're trying to run up a giant hill. Your body doesn't have any endurance. Well, my body, I've been training for something. It's like my body has no endurance to run up that hill. But my soul has already made it to the top of the hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally how it works. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> There's an example later on, but I think I'll wait until it comes up um, about the same idea. And you know what they say? Actually, this is a powerful line. This is the beginning of the instruction by the Lord to the living entities who are bewildered by the influence of ignorance. Mm. So this is the first instruction. Let this sink in the difference between spirit and matter or the existence and the non-existence. Don't buy into the dream. It's cheap. And when, it doesn't last. Yeah. And when you're talking about, there's so many beautiful lessons that are in the Gita. And one, the very first lesson is understanding the difference between the body and the soul. Right. Mm. And that's all mostly all of chapter two, actually. Yeah. Now maybe we can pause a second and give some examples because, okay, we can brush through that concept really fast. We're not this body, we're a soul. And in this philosophy, they hammer it down so many times because to let that sink into a practical level yeah. is huge. Do we see do we see people on a soul level or immediately walking down the street? You see yeah. people's bodies. Everyone looks at everybody's bodies, it's right? Especially, it's so we, hard. I mean, we've been not to. So sort of conditioned to think this way from since we were born, mm-hmm. you know, like you are tall, you are African, uh, African. you are Chinese, you are Hispanic, you are a you woman. Are, like all of these designations have been put on us. And so we like identify based on these physical characteristics. And then we don't realize that actually who we are is, well, how we treat people, what our consciousness is. And yeah. And so basically, so if I am an Indian female mm. in this lifetime, and according to this, according to this verse and these verses that we've been reading, if my soul is forever, I could be a Jamaican man in my next life, but my soul would be the same. Right. And so that's why like when people fight wars over skin color and race and religion, it's so dumb. Honestly, it's just so dumb because like this stuff is temporary. Everything on the bodily complexion is, is temporary. Right. Right. And how sad that we place so much of our self-worth and others' self-worth on externals, right? I'm beautiful, so I feel on top of the world. Or I'm not feeling so hot today, so I'm I'm worthless. It's like, oh my God, we're so much deeper than that and eternal. And in in that same note, I think that what you were saying was, why is this being repeated so many times? Because it's really actually hard to realize that, right? Because like, imagine that you felt that you were not beautiful, right? And then you decide to take on this exercise of saying, you know, I'm going to tell myself that I am beautiful and I'm worthy every day. How long does it take for that to seep in? How many times do you have to say that for you to believe and understand the reality of the situation that you've been conditioned otherwise to think that it's not true? Yeah. You and know? Krishna is repeating it over and over again to make that point. It's like, don't look at people on this bodily level, mm. right? Look at them as individual souls. Right. My dad always talks about, you know, my parents are a little older now. And, and my dad talks about a certain, like, hmm, how to say, a certain uh, hockiness that comes with youth and beauty, right? You look yes. at youthful people and they... Ooh, you feel on top of the world. I'm so yes. good looking. I can feel <laughs> it. Not, I'm not talking about myself, but in general, yeah. we feel that. We feel that attention we get. And so much of our attention is placed on that external beauty. And then he talks about, look at, as you get older, it's a really humbling experience because mm. you start not becoming almost of this world. We were going on a walk the other day down this beautiful street and you see all the women and men in their 
tight clothes, working out, working out their bodies. And we walked by a front porch and an old man was on his rocking chair, just looking at everyone, almost like observing this world that he could no longer partake in. Mm. But the soul's the same. The soul hasn't changed. But we place so much emphasis on the external looks. Right. You think the Instagram models of today are going to be Instagram <laughs> models 30 years from now? No. Right. No one's going to care about them, right? Because yeah. we place so much importance on this beauty. Right, right. right. So if we could, I, I read a quote once, if we could just look at people on a soul level, how different would our it world would be? It would solve so many problems. Which So I, many problems. I think, and that's that's hopefully the beauty of becoming knowledgeable right. and understanding that racism and sexism and all these things are so unnecessary because the reality is that we are something beyond the exterior, right? right? And if we could all figure out how to accept that truly, how much greater the world would be. And then on another hand, uh, I also think about like this being Krishna consciousness, being an international society. And I really appreciate the fact that our founder, Acharya Prabhupada, took a, a philosophy that was just basically in India and said, no, everyone can partake because the soul is what really yeah, matters. Right. Right? It's true. And, and go ahead. I was living in I was living in Hong Kong doing like a study exchange there. And literally like the bodies of the I went to the temple and it was in Hong Kong. There was these beautiful Chinese body devotees wearing these beautiful saris. Mm. And they're doing all the same rituals that I do at home in Los mm. Angeles. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. Right. It's just that they, we are different bodies. We are different races. We, we have different cultures. cultures yeah. But at the end of the day, are, we're still striving for spiritual growth. Right. And that's what makes it the same. And that's maybe the yeah, as you become older, you start becoming more in tune with someone's essence, someone's how they say you remember how someone made you feel way more than how they yes, looked or the, even the words they mm. said, like connecting to, okay, one of those, whatever, I don't know, Instagram models, if you're around them, how are they going to make you feel? They might be incredible people and make you feel great. But if they, if they're a little cold or distant, you're not going to be left with that warm feeling of their soul's beauty for yep. long. Yeah. Mm. And Priya, you made a good point. It's like Krishna is honing in mm -hmm. on this verse after verse after verse because it's so hard for us as human beings to grasp this concept mm -hmm. because we look at everybody's bodies and we make judgments. All of us, I mean, all we're all guilty of it. When we walk yeah. down the street, we'll, we'll see someone and we'll make snap judgments about them, right? But if we look at everybody as a spiritual being, as a spiritual soul, that would solve literally all of the world's yeah. problems. Honestly, I think uh, it's really hard. It's really hard. Like I'm just thinking about some of them, uh, one particular friend. She's so loving. And I think she is. Is very it me? No, okay, sorry, talking about me. Okay, sorry. I was like fishing for compliments. Sorry, I was like, are you talking you, about me? But you're also wonderful. Um, <laughs> no, my friend, uh, she is very uh, compassionate, and I think, like, for me, okay, I'm just gonna give a small example. For me, sometimes I, I've had a really negative experience with a homeless person, um, and it was like a little traumatizing for me. And so I just, out of fear and out of lack of understanding and out of a lot of things, I stay away. Like right. that's just my policy. Right. Um, but I think that ultimately like being able to see within and understanding the soul and the need for the soul to have maybe Krishna consciousness or, or kindness or compassion. My friend, I've noticed every time I go somewhere with her, 
she let's say we were going to grab some tea or 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 a dessert or something she'll buy an extra one and then she'll go around and give it to the homeless person mm. that's nearby oh it's beautiful and i just think that that's like such a compassionate thing of looking at the soul and and you know what i mean it's it's removing yourself from fear or judgment or all other things that could be said i feel like i have to kind of grow out of some of my judgments i've been told oh you know homeless if you give them money they'll just spend it on liquor and like all these things and you're just, these judgments stop you from being compassionate and i feel like just understanding that the soul right there could use some compassion, could use some prashad, like yes. offered food. They could use something, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know if that's super relevant, but I just thought. Yeah, totally okay. relevant. And yeah. so many times these people are just wanting to seek connection. Yet in line with what you're saying, Priya, I was walking down the park the other day and there, I, there was a man that he's homeless. And I always see him in the same bench at night, staring out into the ocean alone at night. And uh, m my mother maybe would worry for my my safety. But anyway, I walked by him and I, and this time I tried to just look at him and smile. And he looked at me and smiled back. And as I walked away, he kind of called out saying, thank you for that smile. Mm. And I just felt like everyone wants you to feel to that him. connection yep. that it's a soul to soul connection there. Yes. It's not about the body. It's not it's, about what they look like, not about their skin color, right. not about what religion they practice. And it's not about their place, job. It's not about anything. Right. If you place all the importance on the body, you're going to be disappointed down the line one way or another. Yeah. Mm. Especially if you marry someone just for their looks, because 30 years, 30 years from now, they're not gonna be an Instagram model. I'll tell you that. They're not gonna look the same. They're not gonna look the same. So right. here in the purport, it does say something about removal of ignorance involves the reestablishment of the eternal, I like that, eternal relationship between the worshiper and the worshipable or God and his devotees, mm. and the consequent understanding of the difference between the part and parcel living entities and the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So what that last line, part and parcel living entities, and the Supreme Personality of Godhead, kind of the concept of the one main candle that lights the rest, or the ocean, God, that we're a part and parcel of, the droplets of. Yeah, on a, on a, in a small side note, I feel like the word ignorance is brought on a lot. <laughs> and uh, I feel like someone might find it offensive. Like, I'm not ignorant, you know? Right. And I just That's your ego! Of, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, the idea more so of it being ignorance of like the full knowledge of life. Right, how, how can right. anyone claim? How can anyone claim to know everything there is to know about life? We right. cannot realistically say that about ourselves so i think when when we're talking about ignorance it's just like understanding the 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 big picture plus all the details about what life is about it's not a judgment of like you're ignorant but rather like there's still so much to learn that's yeah. an important point priya because um right I, is ignorance for just not knowing the whole picture and you know what <laughs> we would be in the same boat if we didn't have this treasure of the Gita in front of us. We'd all be just drowning in the ocean of suffering in this world. We're all drowning through this pain. So you have to have some knowledge of, of the whole and, and ignorance is just lack of that knowledge. Mm -hmm. True. All right. Anything else on text 16 before we move on to 17? Let's do text 17. Text 17. All right. That which pervades the entire body, you should know to be indestructible. No one is able to destroy that imperishable soul. Mm. I love this verse because mm. this is the verse where he's basically like, the soul is like Wolverine and nobody can kill <laughs> the soul. The soul will be around forever. And, and, and just to hear Krishna as God saying, no one is able to destroy that imperishable soul. It just makes me feel secure. You know mm. what I mean? It makes me feel like, 
okay, like I don't need to worry because I'm going to be around forever. No one can destroy my soul. And if God is telling me that, that's just such a profound statement of security. Mm. Yeah. It it goes on to say um, that basically, okay, I'm just going to read it. Yes. Um, This verse more clearly explains the real nature of the soul which is spread all over the body. So they're saying the soul is spread all, all, like the energy of the soul is spread all over the body. Anyone can understand what is spread all over the body. It is consciousness. And I've never thought it like, like fully processed it, but it's, it, it's like the reality is our soul equals consciousness. Right. When we die, we know we're no longer conscious. Yep. Right. And that's kind of the difference with an, animate and an inanimate object even if science yeah. has tried to recreate the building blocks of human life with the lack of the soul or consciousness it can't come to life yeah and then it, it kind of goes on there further to say it says this spreading of consciousness is limited within one's own body the pains and pleasures of one body are unknown to another so like what i'm experiencing you cannot Right. right. Like, I, I mean, obviously you could, but not equally exactly the same. And so it says the soul's presence is perceived as individual consciousness. So, again, I think they're bringing back the point that we are individual. Yep. That right. we're each having our own experience. And, and in a sense, that just means that we're each in this path. Right. And what's crazy about this, this verse, and this is the first time I've heard this anywhere, is that Prabhupada describes what the soul is. Mm. It's so wild to me because he's like, it's, it's really, really small. So if you take a, if you take a tip of your hair, right. And you split that little tiny piece of hair into a hundred parts, and then you split it again into another hundred parts. That is the soul. It's this really, really, really tiny atom, right? And like that, I mean, it, it's in, inside of us, right? I'm not sure if anybody knows, maybe our producer knows, but like where that actual soul lives inside of our body. Oh, Priya, you know? <laughs> I just raised my hand. Well, as yeah, the yeah, podcast yeah. people can actually see my hand. <laughs> she raised her hand. <laughs> I was like, I know, I know. But actually it does come forward in yeah. the next couple of texts. So okay, it does. We'll, we'll get there. Okay, cool. But like he basically explains that it exists. It's super, super, super tiny, but it exists inside of us. And yeah. so that's the first time, like we, we always think of like the soul as like a concept, but mm. it's actually like a physical atom, right? Mm. In our body. That's just really, really tiny. I have two little anecdotes about personal experiences with the soul, if I could share it mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. For sure. One of them, short one about, um, there was this very saintly person in, in the community in Dallas, where I grew up close to Priya. Her name was Mother Kirtida. And I would always, I was very young and I, and she was starting to leave her body. Can I just say her name wasn't mother, but Uh, like, just as a reference, because we do this, we call like women in our society, mothers or aunties. That's another term that I know. It's like very Indian. Right. No, it's true. Her actual name was just Kirtida. Right. Like mother Teresa. I wouldn't just say, Hey, Teresa. It's like trying to just show respect. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify (laughs) that. That's amazing. Sorry. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I say stuff and sometimes it's good to have a sounding board. Like, ah, yes, yes. Go on, go on. So You're doing great. Mother Kirtida was on her final days on the bed that everyone would come see her. And I, every day after school, I'd run there and talk to her. And I heard the story of the woman who was her caretaker of her final moments before she departed was in the middle of the night. And Mother Kirtida, the story goes that she, she kind of felt it coming and she grabbed her little deity of Krishna, put the deity to her head 
and then took her final breath. And her caretaker said she saw a little, little, little light zoom go up in that mm. moment. Wow. And, and not that you'll always see that. I think it takes someone special to see that. So mm. obviously her caretaker was an elevated soul herself. And I have my own experience. Now for me, what I saw, I think it's because of my familial connection, not necessarily of my elevated status, but it's with my abuelita. So the mm -hmm. second anecdote was, I right before my grandma passed away, I had a plane ticket to go spend a month in Argentina with her. She passed away before I made it to Argentina, but I still had the ticket, so I went. And the first night I walked into her room, her scent really hit me and I just broke down crying and I was sitting alone in her room in her bed. And in front of me, there was this huge mirror. And I remember I looked up, I swear I saw a tiny, tiny white light go zoom to the top of the of room. Wow. And I looked around, I did a few double takes to be like, what reflection was this? What did I catch? I never saw it again. And in that moment, when I saw the little light go up, I had this shaky feeling in my heart of I felt her presence. So I think that was mostly because of the connection. She, she kind of wanted to give me a sign. Many people describe when their family members pass away, they get little signs that they're mm, still present, yes. right? I don't know if you guys have any experiences with feeling like the soul's presence of someone you love, even once they physically have departed. Yeah, because according to, I think, Bhakti Yoga philosophy, I think the soul stays, mm -hmm. the soul for stays a for a days. certain amount of days before mm -hmm. moving on or transmigrating to a different body. Right, and like so while like, the authorities are making yes. their decision. Yes, 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 yes. And so like, oh my God, I got chills when you were talking about that <laughs> because you probably just saw the spark or the soul go like traveling, right? And that is just wild to think about. Mm. Super cool. Um, later in the purport, we also see actually an answer to your question, Shama Sangeeta. Um, it says, um, this atomic soul is floating in the five kinds of air. Oh, yes. Namely Wild. prana, apana, vyana, shamana, shamana, udana. <laughs> it's all in Sanskrit. Yeah, uh, yeah we did great. Okay. And it says is situated within the heart and spreads its influence all over the body. That's the, that's the answer. That's the Look answer I was looking answer. for. So the soul is located in our hearts, yeah. which makes so much sense, I guess. It yeah, really definitely. does. Yeah. Wow. And it's, and it's the first time when I read this, it was the first time that someone explained to me that the soul is greater than a concept, right? Mm. It's an actual piece of us. It's very tiny, but it's a piece of us and it resides in our heart. So yeah. that is the thing that leaves us when our body dies. Yeah. And so, you know, we just read that the, the oh my God, I'm just going to go back a page for a second, that the soul is within these uh, five different airs. And when I read that, I was like, huh, why would they even mention that? I wonder what the relevance of saying that it's within these airs right? right in the body there's air there's you know like all the atoms and all the stuff i am not scientific but you understand what i'm saying yes and so then the next uh little paragraph says the hatha yoga system is meant for controlling the five kinds of air encircling the pure soul by different kinds of sitting postures not for any material profit, but for liberation of the minute soul from the entanglement of the material atmosphere. Break that down. I know. I what like, does Whoa. that mean? What does so, that mean? I, basically, they're saying yoga is good. I, I know it's just simply <laughs> really, really hard, but no, no, no. Just like, like physical yoga or bhakti yeah, yoga? Like what do you mean? Physical yoga, sitting postures. They're talking about hatha yoga, like the actual exercises of yoga are helpful for our soul. 
Wild. Like, isn't that interesting? That's well, very if you read The Journey Home by Radhanaswamy, in his journey through India, there's so many mystic yogis who, through controlling their breath, I think is connected to the Hatha Yoga system. Yes. They can prolong their life and they can have a lot of control. That's not the goal of bhakti to have <laughs> this mystic powers, but they gain a lot of control by practicing their mysticism. That's really cool. Yeah, it's just an interesting fact. I just thought, wow. Huh. Like the actual physical yoga connects to our soul, connects to the spiritual yoga, and it's all connected. And that's just fantastic. Love that. Anything else before we move on? Yes. There's actually down here a part where it combines modern science. And there's one word they use, corpuscles, which last night I looked it up and I was fascinated. <laughs> Say the word again. What is it? No, I don't know if I'm pretty. Uh, okay, wait. It says <laughs> the corpuscles, which can- our okay. producer, producer, producer knows how to pronounce it. Please pronounce it. Corpuscles. Ah, uh, uh, corpuscles. Nice. All right. So it's actually a thing. I looked it up and they really do carry the oxygen from the lungs. And here it says they gather energy from the soul. So it says, right, the individual soul is, is on such a small atomic level there within the heart, along with the super soul or God within your heart that, well, it, it fuels all the energies of bodily movement, but it's so small that material scientists, some of them cannot even measure its existence with any, any man-made tools. So I thought this was a very cool thing that said, um, when the soul passes away from this position, the activity of the blood generating fusion ceases. So medical science accepts the importance of the red, mm. what do we say? Corpuscles? Producer, can you please say that word one again? One more time, one more time. Corpuscles. Beautiful. That's hot. Beautiful. That's hot. But... <laughs> He loves when we do this to him. Okay. But it cannot ascertain that the source of energy is the soul. Right. So medical scientists do not admit that, that the soul is within, but they do admit, however, that the heart is the seat of all energies in the body. So pausing there, I found it fascinating. And I have a few points I want to say here because it's kind of like the merging of modern science and spirituality. And I've always in my head thought, why are they one does not necessarily contradict the other, right? Mm -hmm. They're just different tools to analyze different aspects, the tangible and the quote unquote intangible. So science can look at the concrete chemical functions and the biological, all those things that they know that they analyze, they don't necessarily look at the bigger picture of why, the what's behind all that. So in this very verse, in the purport that we read, so they acknowledge the energy is being derived from this location in the body, but mm. they don't answer coming from what, yeah. right? So it's kind of like, it's just, to me, it was so fascinating. Last night I was looking up this word. What does that mean? Oh, it's true. It carries the oxygen from the lungs. It's all real. <laughs> it is super cool to think that Krishna, like in our scriptures, it says Krishna's in your heart. And then the doctors are like, and your heart is the reason you're alive. And we're like, Haha, we mm-hmm. know. Interesting. Uh, right. In- Or even like with their version of like the Big Bang Theory, they can never say what caused the explosion. Mm. Like, so they just don't answer the why to certain things behind. It's like they don't have to contradict each other. There's many elite scientists who are very spiritual people. Definitely. All right. Anything else before we move on to text 18? All right, Shamali, take us away. All righty. The material body of the indestructible, immeasurable and eternal living entity is sure to come to an end. Therefore, fight. Oh, descendant of Bharata. So Krishna is talking to Arjuna, right? right? And he's saying, he's basically bringing it all together. He's making all these beautiful points. And then he's like, hey, the mature body is in is indestructible. The soul is indestructible. And so just fight. You know that everybody else is going to die. Just fight. 
Yes. Um, and so it says, the purport goes on to say, the material body is perishable by, nature, by nature. It may perish immediately or after hundreds of years. So there is no chance of maintaining it indefinitely. I'm just thinking about the Sorry. previous verse for a second. Right, right. right. Before we move forward... We want to. We were. We were looking at our oh, sir, lord, techie producer, <laughs> our wonderful producer. So this is a food for thought because you know we're talking about the localization of the soul in the heart, and he kind of wrote down something. What about heart transplant? Like if the soul is in our heart right. and someone gets a heart transplant, yeah. yeah so what happens now, producer, sir? So this is on you. <laughs> Put him uh, on the spot. That was, a, it's that was more a question for you guys. Oh, oh. Uh, we, we shifted it back to you. Well, I mean, <laughs> what do you think? You were saying that the heart, uh, you know, science says that the 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 soul is in the heart. So, right. what about people who remove their heart and take in a new heart? Well, um, are they still the same person? Are, uh, is the soul still yes. the same? Can we place? brainstorm for a second about? Yeah, this? I mean, we're just going to speculate for a second. Don't write any notes on this. While yeah, we're, we're not just experts. <laughs> I think Shula Prabhupada would probably answer this way better. Um, but <laughs> yes, I, I mean, I would like to think that they explain that the soul is not just in the heart, although mm. that's where it resides, but it's like this energy that flows throughout our body. The five, so yeah. the moment Krishna knows, he's like, oh, you're going to get your heart, you know, transplanted. I'll just move to your lung for a second and right. then I'll be right back. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> being yeah, silly here. I but. mean, I think it's a fun way to describe what I think also. I don't think the soul is attached like a hook to the heart, no, right? It's floating it in the air. there. Right. right, it's in the airs, the uh, six airs. That's why they're talking about the five airs. Uh -huh. Yeah. See? Uh -huh. yep. So since it's there on a very like esoteric level, if a heart transplant were to happen, that's kind of just the moving of a material um, right. bodily part. So right, even if a new a heart comes in, it's not like the soul will leave and you're a different soul because essentially, don't they say that the soul chooses a body depending on the on the way we've lived our lives. That's kind of how we acquire our next destination. So it wouldn't make yes. sense philosophically that the soul would jump out and just you'd acquire a whole new identity. Right. Nah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. All right, bring what, what do we think, Abhijit? That's, that's what do you think? Yeah, I think that was good. I was like, getting our producer's approval is like, oh my God, I love this. this is great. Yes. <laughs> okay, so bringing it back to, to text 18 again, right? So Krishna is doubling down again and he's saying, hey, this body, you can live till 50, 60, 70, 80, 100, but eventually everybody will die, right? Mm. So- Get up, bring up your weapons and fight. Guys, you just said everybody will die. And I thought, oh, every literal body. Right. Everybody will die. Yes, you know, absolutely. not saying like, you know what I mean? It's like physically the body will die. Everybody. 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 Sorry, I just got sucked Dance <laughs> now. Everybody die now. And the more we we hone in on this, because it's it's in every single verse, we're not this body, we're not this body, the more it'll start making sense why Krishna's hammering this down to Arjuna. There's a beautiful part that says the living entity is qualified as light because he is part and parcel of the supreme light. And it says further, as sunlight maintains the entire universe, so the light of the soul maintains the material body. But as soon as the spirit soul is out of this material body, the body begins to decompose. Therefore, it's the spirit soul which maintains the body. And, and it even says, almost sounds blunt, but it's true. The body itself is unimportant. 
yeah, it's the soul that animates it. Like when I saw Mi Abuelita, I saw her moments after she left, her body was still warm. It looked the exact same, but what was mm. missing from literally a minute before that animated it? Yep. It was her soul that gave it her consciousness. Yeah. Another analogy that I've always heard is like the, the body's the car and the soul is the driver. Right. Mm. What is the car without a driver? It's just, it's just machinery. It's mm. nothing. It's metal. It's like- Not useful it, actually. Yeah, it's not useful at all. But once the, the driver's inside of the car, then the it can function, right? But the moment right. the driver goes away, then you're just left with this empty vessel. Now I feel the need to add one part that- um, it's not like the body's unimportant, don't take care of it. Now in our philosophy, we very much say the body is the temple of the soul and you have to maintain your health because if not, how are you going to, like right. in the car analogy, how you are you going to get around? The car. You still have to put gas and you still have to maintain what it. What if it's an EV car though? <laughs> Electric vehicle, what I about mean, it? I mean, you still need to you still need to push a button to yeah. turn on the EV Definitely. vehicle, right? And also EV vehicles have been known to strike people sometimes. So like they're not, <laughs> oh, you know, is that like, a thing? yeah, it's true. It's happened a couple of <laughs> times, right? And and so at the end of the day, you, it comes down to the self, right? There still needs to be someone to push the buttons right. and direct it, right? Because yeah. the, right. without right. it, the, the, the car is useless. Right. So then I, I think in the purport here, it says, um, Krishna is basically saying there is no cause for lamentation because the living entity as he is cannot be killed, nor can the material body be saved for any length of time or permanently protected. So the, just the reality that that's kind of the conclusion, right? right? So, and as humans, we're trying, what are we trying to freeze? Have you heard of those, like those cryo things, <laughs> yes. those cryo trauma where people are trying to just freeze their, their body forever oh so God. that they can wake up 50 years from now? Gotta, and, no, it's not going to work. Not it's gonna not going to work. work. That's not how that works. The, the yeah. soul is the important part. How are you going to capture the soul? That's yeah. also so sad because that's like no, um, yeah, bluntly said ignorance, but no knowledge really of what are we trying to do with this material body? We're trying mm. to evolve. If you want to stay frozen in time forever, I get it. You want to be around with your loved ones, but you're... You're missing the point. Honestly, I remember having a conversation in high school with this one person who was really into like fiction and the idea of living forever. And, and it just made me so sad because his idea was he would want to live forever so he could have many wives and many like, like that, like not even really wives, you know, he was just a little, anyways, the, the <laughs> point was, I just felt like, wow, what an aspiration. Like, is there have you ever had a conversation in which you aspire for more than a woman in your life? Right. Mm -hmm. Like what is, and it's just, comes from not having more information. Right. right? And you know what? That sparks compassion. Cause it makes you think you look around at everyone. So bewildered like Arjuna was momentarily and they just don't have enough knowledge to satisfy. They, they have the questions. They just mm -hmm. haven't come into contact with the knowledge. So it's not like, Oh, you are ignorant. It's more, it does spark compassion. Cause it's like, Oh my God, we're all, souls traversing this journey of life, trying to do the right thing and find the answers. And how sad that maybe you weren't born into a situation where you have found them. Love it. Yeah. All right. Moving on to text number 19. Or oh, is there anybody, any, any other, uh, no, any no. other, do anything have, else on 19? No. Do we have time for text 19? Producer so? Yeah, we, yeah we, we do. All right. Yeah. So text number do it. 19. All right. I think Shamali. Uh, okay. Neither he who thinks of the living entity, the slayer, nor he who thinks it slain is in knowledge for the self slays not, nor is slain. Okay. Can you read, <laughs> that, one more, one more read that one more time? That was like an old English, like That's Yoda like speaking twister. backwards. Shelly sold Shelly's by the seashore. Anyway, neither he who thinks the living entity, the slayer, nor he who thinks it slain is in knowledge. 
for the self slays not, nor is slain. All right, who wants to take a shot at that? <laughs> yeah, I'll try. Priya. Okay. Neither he who thinks a living entity is the slayer. So, like, no. Like, so the slayer means saying, killer, right? Right. Like, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we are not the killers. Mm-hmm. We're we not are in not charge of that. Killed. Right. And oh the soul Actually, can never really be hard killed. To, that's hard to translate. Like it makes sense it's, to me, but then I don't know how to it's translate. It's basically saying, I think that the soul isn't in charge of all of those things. It doesn't control death. It doesn't control killing others. Mm-mm-mm. And it's also on the inverse. It's never killed. Yes. It never dies. You nailed it. You nailed it. Ah, bam. Mm-hmm. Stuck the nice. Nice. Good job, Shamali. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we do do we have any? I mean, it's 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 it, again. Krishna is doubling down on this notion of like the soul is forever, and it's not dictating who's being killed and who's not being killed. Right, and we're talking about killing in this context because uh, of the battlefield. Of the battlefield, yep. right? It kind of further. Not the, <laughs> it's not a topic of our preference. Right, 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 right. To be what we're it's discussing a, in the purport, it explains this tongue twister a little more. When an embodied living entity is hurt by fatal weapons. It's kind of like, right, it hurts our body, but it doesn't hurt the soul because the soul is so small. It's impossible to kill by any material weapons. Yeah. I have something really like, I think this is really important to talk about because we're talking about these really difficult topics. It says what is skilled is the body only. This, however, Mm. does not at all encourage killing of the body. I'm glad you brought that up. And then it goes on to say the Vedic scriptures say never commit violence to anyone nor does understanding that the living entity is not killed encourage animal slaughter. So don't kill anyone, don't kill animals. Killing the body of anyone without authority is abominable and punishable by law of the state as well as the law of the Lord. Right. So so one can argue the point, like, why is Krishna always telling Arjuna to kill, 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 right? You have to understand the time, place, circumstance of, of what is happening and the amount of injustice that has been put on with Duryodhana and the rest of his evil clan, the amount of injustice that this, this entire area has had to endure. And you have to remember that Arjuna is a warrior class. He yeah. is a Kshatriya, right? Right. So Matt, Im, are, were you Go ahead. Yeah. okay, imagine in a country, right? You reside there in a peaceful country. You have all these corrupt leaders all of a sudden taking over, establishing a dictatorship. They're very, they've, they've lost sight of principles of religion mm. and they're just terrorizing the citizens. Wouldn't you want a just leader to come and kind of protect? Yes. And protect. Arjuna That's is ultimately the goal. Protect. And Arjuna at all costs does not want to fight. That's how good he is. But he, Krishna is telling him, you need to, in a way, do away with these people for the principle of religion and not whimsically. That's yeah, the yeah, last yeah. line. That's what it says. Yeah, Arjuna, however, is being engaged in killing for the principle of religion and not whimsically. What do you mean by principle of religion? So like the, the, the higher good. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's, it's, okay. I mean, right. he, is, he is literally a kshatriya, which is the duty to protect the citizens yes. is for him to... Uphold justice. Law and justice, yes. exactly. And they tried many diplomatic means before before war. So like if you're one of the citizens in this place, hypothetically, that's being taken over by a dictator, you'd want someone to come yes. and protect you. Yeah. Not yeah. be like, oh, well, let's just be terrorized a little more. You're, and it's a good point, Shamali. It's like, it's not like that they were like, oh, you took away our land. I'm going to kill you now. No. Like It's like yeah. they negotiated for a while. Years. They tried to a- avoid a war at all costs. But ju- injustice kept prevailing. And then the good people, 
people in society, the Kshatriyas, the warriors, the Arjunas, needed to step up to uphold justice and right. righteousness. And, and this, this oh. has been going on for over a decade because this book, the Bhagavad Gita, is part of the Mahabharata, which is the whole history of this time. So it's been a long time coming. Yeah, and I also wanted to say this is not like... Arjuna was like, I think they should be killed because right. because of my experiences, I think they should be killed. No, there was like laws that were enacted. If people behave in such way, this is what should be done, right? Yes. And so I think that that's another thing. It's not like he's deciding, oh, I don't like them, therefore I'm going to kill them. It's yeah. not a personal thing. It's it's like part of, it's like being a cop. Right. I, yes. I know that's a very difficult position to be in, but it, they have to uphold law to a certain extent based mm-hmm. on the laws that are given. And, and we need people like them in society. Right. right. And it was the only option left because they tried all other diplomatic means, right. but the Jirio, the evil D's and all the sons and all of them, they would not give it any other way. As they said, referencing what? I wouldn't give you enough land to drive through what? A hair, one one a pin. Needle and a pin or something like that. But so we're not just killing just for fun, you know? We're to kill into a cold righteousness. <laughs> and then, no, killing is not fun. Don't do it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and we're going to wrap up and we're going to start with text 20 in our next episode. So if you're following along, thank you so much. Thank and you. we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at modern yogi podcast and if you love what you're hearing please make sure to share a link to our podcast at modern yogi podcast with all your friends families and long lost cousins and if you have any questions at all send us a dm on instagram at modern yogi podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you thank you for listening to the The Modern modern yogi